It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 275 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, at WoodleySean. I should know my own Twitter handle. And the show is at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. You can also check out the Locked On Podcast Network, which you should definitely do today, seeing as, the, as it's the trade deadline and lots of stuff happened around the league. If you want to hear about the Sheldon Mack trade uh, from both local perspectives, listen to Locked On Hawks and Locked On Wizards, for example, or other trades that happened as well. Uh, make sure you find them. And if you find a host or a show that you dig, if it's the first time you're checking them out because it's the deadline, uh, make sure you subscribe to that show separately. You can do it with us. You can find Locked On Raptors on iTunes, leave a rating, leave Leave a review. It's the easiest way to help out the show, show that you care, make us more popular, boost my ego, all that good stuff. Uh, it takes no time at all. It's free to do, and uh, it really, really helps out and makes me feel good. So uh, thanks in advance for doing that. All right. On today's show, I'm joined by our favorite amateur chef, uh, frequent guest on the podcast. It's John Cotis. How's it going, man? I'm very good. How are you? I'm great. What did you make for the Super Bowl? I made uh, homemade wings, uh, buffalo, chi- uh, yeah, buffalo chicken, uh, as one does, and uh, paleo jalapeno poppers. That sounds probably not bad at all. It was pretty good. They yeah. were pretty close to the real thing. No cheese. That's the difference. Okay. You, you yeah. make this weird, like, scientific cashew mix <laughs> that, like, approximates the taste of cheese. And, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it worked out. Actually, there's a spot uh, in Hamilton called Green Smoothie Bar. It's free advertising for those guys. Um, they 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 go all dairy free. They're vegan essentially there, and you can get cashew sour cream if you get like a chili or something like that from them. Cashew sour cream, which is pretty tasty. So uh, I'm I'm yeah, familiar have, with the. Well, like, sorry, go ahead. You can get it. Worse, it's like a cashew cream cheese. It's like eleven dollars for, uh, <laughs> you know, like a wheel thing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, well, I'm glad you you made good stuff for for the Super Bowl. I made chili. That was pretty good. Uh, I, I mean, it's classic. It's not very creative, but it was good ass chili, and I still have some that I've been eating all week. I've eaten one thing all week. It's been great. <laughs> um, we can talk about food another time though, because it's trade deadline day, and stuff happened that uh, either directly affects the Raptors or loosely, sort of tangentially affects the Raptors or doesn't affect the Raptors at all. We're only going to talk about the first two things. Uh, we're going to talk about the Bruno Caboclo trade. We'll talk about the Cavs and what they did and how that sort of changes the structure of the East and our uh, hope that the Raptors can potentially make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, we'll talk about elsewhere in the East as well and whether or not anyone did anything, um, which they didn't really do anything. But we'll talk about that anyway and the, sort of the ramifications of that. Talk about bio guys, uh, but I guess we should start with our dearly departed, beautiful, milk-loving boy, Bruno Caboclo, who is uh, off to Sacramento only to be unceremoniously waived by the Monsters in Sacramento because you know wh- why would the Kings need a young project player? Crazy, right? 
Uh, Malachi Richardson coming back the other way from the Sacramento Kings. He is a uh, unseasoned player who had a nice tournament for Syracuse and went to the Final Four kind of unexpectedly as an 11 seed and then hasn't done much since coming to the NBA. He was supposed to be a shooter. He's shooting about 29% from three over the course of his career. Uh, obviously, this is the Kings and their development system, so who knows where they could have led him astray. He's probably going to play in the 905 a whole bunch. Uh, not really room for him on the roster. The big thing, I think, that for the Raptors' purpose is that it saves about a million dollars underneath the luxury tax. So uh, if the Raptors want to go out and try to sign a buyout guy, there's a little extra money to work with there as well. Uh, so thoughts, original thoughts on the trade. My biggest reaction was that I was shocked and very kind of, it hit me kind of hard and harder than I would have expected. But what was your initial reaction to the Bruno trade? Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of thought on it. I think that... It's a back end of the roster guy. It's not really an impact deal, obviously. Um, I'm not as attached to Bruno as I guess some people are. Uh, I've been kind of out on him for the last year or so. But he's been a great piece, I think, for the 905 and been a lot of the reason why they've been successful. Uh, So that might throw a little wrench into what they're trying to do. But I think Malachi Richardson could be a good player. He probably has a better high end uh, or maybe a more trustworthy high end than Bruno does. Mm -hmm. But either way, I don't think either of those guys were going to make a difference this year or... Next year, I think it's just people you want in the system. Uh, I like Malachi from like you know the prototypical Masai Ujiri type player. He's a big wing, uh, Syracuse player. He kind of knows the X's and O's of defense, and uh, theoretically he's a shooter, but that hasn't panned out in the NBA. So I'm um, curious to see what he looks like uh, with the G League because maybe he becomes something at some point. Yeah, I think the you know he's only in the second year of his deal, so if you kind of throw him into the pipeline and try to work with him, maybe maybe not by next season, but the season after that, maybe you have an actual rotation player there, um, and it's kind of like a bonus. I don't know, want to say it's like a bonus first round pick because he hasn't really performed like the mid first round pick that he was, but it is kind of like an extra little you know boost to the prospect system, especially when you know you don't have a first round pick coming this season and you're out of a couple second round picks as well for trades that you've made and just a little way to replenish the pipeline a bit, especially when you know Bruno was coming up to the end of his deal, so obviously that was never going to be a thing you were going to turn into like back of the roster help, and you know Delon Wright's going to get paid pretty soon and Jakob Pertl and. and uh, sorry, Yakupertal, Pascal Siakam are uh, the same year as Richardson, but they're not far behind, of course. So uh, I think it's it's a smart move for the Raptors uh, to sort of you know cash in on the Bruno experiment and get what you could for it, I suppose. Um, and if Malachi Richardson becomes anything, even like the slightest rotation player, then you can actually kind of sell yourself on the whole Bruno thing being a success because you get a you know average or below average rotation player to the 20th overall pick. That's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I'm bummed just because the idea of Bruno was always so fun, and like he's been pretty good in the in the G League this season. Uh, he's had a more expanded role. He's averaging 14 points a game, 6.5 boards. His defense has been excellent, 1.6 blocks. Um, and he's kind of taken over a bigger role with that team. He's not shooting particularly well, but defense was always kind of more of his calling card anyway. It was always kind of the thing that, like, when you'd watch the little glimpses of him in preseason, it was like, oh, hey, this dude, like, kind of just defends well by default because he's seven foot eight long in the arms, and it's just, like, it's impossible to get around him, and he can kind of poke, poke balls free. Um, I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. I'm sure a G League team will scoop him up at some point because he's been so good on that level for the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, G League Finals MVP last last year and everything like that too. So I, uh, it, it would make sense for for a team to pick him up. But yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer. It was always fun to wish on that. And the, like the the two years away from being two years away, jokes got incredibly tired and not funny. You know about 
a minute into the experience, but uh, I don't know. It's it, it's kind of a, a somber. I mean, I guess you said you're kind of moving past it anyway, but like the idea was always kind of tantalizing. Just like the idea that you find this dude who's like barely played basketball and throw him into you know an NBA development system and see what you can do. And like while he didn't make the NBA, like they obviously turned this guy into something of a professional basketball player. Whether or not he goes and makes money over in Europe or something playing over there, like he can actually play professional basketball at a reasonably high level. Which you know it's not the success that you want, but it's still something. Like from what he was in his first season, uh, this dude who just like didn't seem to know where to stand on a basketball court. Like there is some sort of progression that was made with him, and I guess you have to credit the Raptors, you know, development staff with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was just on a different project, like a projection than what his contract was going to be. Uh, at some point, he was going to need to get a new contract from the team, and I think he just didn't progress fast enough to earn it. So, yeah, I, I think that he was fun because you kind of got that quarter from him back with the Milwaukee game. Hell yeah! And you got that. You got that kind of fun uh, dig about the two years away being from being two years away. So you kind of knew who Bruno was. Uh, just from those kind of two moments and it kind of gave him a different bit of a flavor because usually with these guys in the 13th and 14th spot you don't really know them that well you don't really know their game uh like you have to be you have to pay pretty close attention to this team to know kind of what alfonso mckinney does or maybe even what lorenzo lorenzo brown does on the basketball court or malcolm miller uh it just mm-hmm. because you had those two moments with Bruno, I think it just kind of made him a bit more fun and a little bit easier to root for. Uh, he was a social media phenom for like two <laughs> years there. Uh, and then he kind of went away, which kind of bummed me out. But yeah, I, he was a fun player. He was a fun guy to have on the team. And I think it just added a different dimension of fandom for being a Raptors fan because you kind of had this guy you could always root for. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. We can kind of move that over to Bebe, as, assuming he's staying here for somewhat long term but uh yeah you kind of lose that bit of fun yeah having a human victory cigar is pretty fun uh yeah i'm not really sure who that is anymore it might be norman powell which is depressing as hell but uh yeah it's uh farewell bruno i'll probably write a little post about bruno coming up on lockdown raptors at some point uh there were fun moments people forget that he had that game where he scored 11 points his career high in uh, the final game against the Cavs last season, a game in which Jonas Valanciunas hit his first career three as well. Um, people forget about that, but it was a, uh, a magical moment as well for Bruno. Bruno's played 113 career NBA minutes. Do you think he adds any to that total over the course of the remainder of his career? It's hard to say. I, it depends on which team he kind of lands on his feet with with the G League. I think he. you're right. He's definitely going to be a strong player at that level. And because he's young, there's still that opportunity of him getting called up. Uh, it wasn't going to happen with the Raptors, and maybe it'll happen if it's a team kind of lower in the standings that wants to see what they have maybe late in the season. Um, I think he'll probably add to it just in the next couple seasons. But after that, it, he can I can see him kind of becoming a player who gets stuck in that kind of circle of uh, you know summer camps yeah. and summer league and uh, the G League. So that's definitely a plane that he could end up on too. I mean, the dude's 22. He's still so freaking young and obviously pretty new into actually playing basketball. And like, there'll be people who are like, Oh, this was like a, like a failure of the, like, obviously it was not a success, but I don't think it was like, it obviously didn't hurt the Raptors because they're sitting here four years after drafting Bruno with a first round pick. And they're sitting here with the deepest bench in the league built off of dudes that they drafted in the late first and second round or undrafted guys. 
Um, so obviously it hasn't like hindered their ability to build the team. So I think when you have that, like you had that extra first round pick already in the bag from the Bargnani trade, I feel like to swing for the fences on a guy like this, it's an outside the box way of trying to go about going about building a player um, and sort of trying to find a bit of a uh, inefficiency, I guess, in terms of in the draft and. Like, obviously, yeah, it didn't work, but I do kind of like that they, they made the experiment and it obviously didn't hurt them and they could totally afford to do it. No, yeah, I don't think I would have gone back and, you know, revisionist history changed anything about that. I think he's a he's a player who, he, he's one of the best players on one of the best G League teams, and I think the only issue for him is he hasn't sped up to the game that he's playing at the level that he needs to be at, but... Yeah. The tools are there, obviously, and I think he'll get a chance. I mean, we're just seeing the news now that they're going to retain him in Sacramento, so he might get a chance there too. So, oh, they are going to retain him. The they are going to keep him. That's what the news is. Oh well, uh, that's good. Uh, he's going to end up on like the Spurs or something and become good, and it's going to be <laughs> frustrating as hell. Um, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But going from the 20th overall pick in the 2014 draft to the 22nd overall pick in that draft and other players... Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers got Rodney Hood and a bunch of dudes, and uh, it's annoying as hell. So, what was like? I was kind of working, so I didn't really get to like, the in between time between the uh, the original trade with the Lakers and then the second trade that sort of made everything kind of make sense. Um, yeah. How, what was your sort of progression of thought over the course of the afternoon as you saw it was unfolding? Of course, the Cavs got Isaiah Thomas out out of their goddamn faces. Uh, and also dealt Channing Fry in their own first-round pick to the Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr., which was a hilarious trade at the time. And then, of course, they made the three-way deal with the Jazz and the Kings, who are culpable and uh, totally responsible for helping to prop up the Cavaliers, and it's really ridiculous. Um, if you're going to complain about parity as small market teams, maybe don't just help boost up the team that's already very good. But hey, uh, that's just me talking. And uh, of course, they got Rodney Hood and George Hill out of that for essentially dead weight and nothing in a second-round pick. So uh, what was your sort of roller coaster of uh, emotions watching what the Cavs are doing this, uh, this afternoon? Yeah, I, it was almost inevitable. It felt like going into the day that they were going to do something with Isaiah Thomas. I think, you, getting to your point, I think it's just which culpable team would take on that burden because Thomas has just been so bad for them. And then it just kind of escalated, and it got to the point where they were just shedding pretty much every deadweight player. Uh, basically, everybody who was miserable on the court, who was not happy to be there, basically every locker room cancer is out the door for this team. So no matter who they bring in, and they brought in good pieces, uh, no matter who they brought in, just shedding that dead weight, I think, is tremendous for them. They retain uh, Jeff Green, who's been playing well for them. I think Chetty Osman is deserving of a a rotation spot, which I think he'll have now. LeBron obviously gets help. They They still have Tristan Thompson, and then pretty much all the dead weight guys who just looked... You know, miserable being there. Jay Crowder, Derek Rose, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Fry wasn't giving them anything. Uh, they just have much a much better rotation, I think, just from an effort standpoint. And then when you add Rodney Hood, which 
you know, going to your point, I don't know what the Jazz are doing uh, with with this deal. Like the Jazz um, can make the playoffs. I don't understand. Yeah. Like what Jay Crowder does for them that Rodney Hood didn't. Yeah, I don't know. And watching Jay Crowder this year, I mean, maybe he'll try harder. Maybe that's the issue. But it, he and Isaiah just seemed like they came from Boston, were expecting one thing, and just got another, and just decided to check out. I mean, it was every game you'd see the, the vine or clip or whatever of you know some Crowder not helping his teammate up. Uh, it was uh, I don't remember who it was in the last game, but there's at least three out there, and I think it's just like it was a poisonous team. So th- it's good for them. I think they got. They have a new chance at chemistry here. They basically have a new rotation to work with, and whether that's going to work out for them in the short term, which they've got to get going pretty quickly here, um, it, it's still up in the air. But it's really good that they you know, basically cleared house and are going to start fresh. I think they have pieces here to, to work with, and I think it was just an all-in play to kind of keep LeBron James in the building going into next year. Yeah, it was really impressive to for Kobe Altman to be able to do that after so much criticism of him, right? Like, oh, the Isaiah trade, the Kyrie trade was such a ridiculous loss for the Cavs, um, which I, that's not what people were saying in the offseason. People were saying, wow, the, the Celtics got fleeced, but uh, obviously opinions change, and obviously the way it turned out was not very good for the Cavs. Um, but yeah, I think just to unload all the dudes who were dragging everything down to you know kind of inject some youth into the lineup. So like even if... LeBron ends up leaving. Like they're in a better place today than they were than they would have been 24 hours ago. Just in terms of like what it looks like going forward, they keep the Brooklyn pick and they have to keep the Brooklyn pick now. Um, and then you have Jordan Clarkson, who I mean, we can get to the individual players and how good we think they are, but like the, it's just like having young guys is better than having old guys who suck. And yeah, I, I think like just based on that, they got better. Um, even if like maybe the up, total upgrade in talent isn't like quite as amazing as people are making it out to be so my progression of reactions over the course of the day was uh the first trade breaks and i'm like oh my god lebron's for sure leaving uh is lebron getting traded to the lakers now um like what's going on here this this is such a like why are they throwing in this first round pick this is ridiculous uh jordan clarkson's not very good larry nance is like kind of whatever like i don't i'm not really all that impressed by him he's a good dunker cool um i don't know i don't know what he does yeah he's he's well he's the one guy i think is going to be a fringe rotation player yeah like i don't really know what he does i'm not really sure what he brings because the other guys they they all shoot right yeah like hood hill clarkson they can all shoot so they'll be living off of lebron's passes but i'm not sure where nance fits into the whole picture for them so curious about that i'm interested in nance is like a small ball five once kevin love is back maybe um, just sort of, sort of slide Love back to the four, have Nance maybe sort of do some room protection stuff, but like he's kind of undersized for that. And also, like I don't know, like it's hard to evaluate players on garbage teams, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's like it's it's impossible to know what he is. Yeah. I think it's kind of like the Alfred Payton thing, um, which goddamn it, the Suns stole him, man. Like he's yeah, he's not bad. He's kind of good. And uh, either way, we're not talking about the Suns. Either way, the. Like yeah, so after that deal happened, I was like, "Wow, this is uh, looking good for the entire Eastern Conference." LeBron's gonna leave. Uh, this trade makes no goddamn sense. And then I get Rodney Hood and George Hill for literally nothing, and uh, I was just like, kind of resigned to the fact, like, "Oh, okay, yeah." Uh, it was fun to think the Raptors had a chance to make it to the finals for a little while. Not happening any, not happening anymore. Um, and since then, I've kind of like scaled back my doom and gloom. Like I think the Cavs are clearly the favorite still. George Hill. Like, Raptors fans know exactly what he does in the playoffs. He's excellent, um, and I think he'll be kind of revitalized not playing for the Kings. Um, 
you know, his health is another thing. Like, it's been up and down the last couple of seasons. And same with Rodney Hood. Like, Rodney Hood is very rarely totally healthy. Like, he's in and out of the lineup all the time. He's played 39 games this year. He played, like, 55 last season. Uh, like, he's his health is a very sort of dicey proposition. So who knows if he'll even be around come playoff time. Uh, that'll be sort of a, you know, touch-and-go sort of thing with Rodney Hood, I think, over the course of the next little while. But, um, uh, yeah, I just think looking at the roster, it's better but I still think there are a lot of holes with this Cavs roster. Like, I think they're still a bad defensive team. Like, Jordan Clarkson's not a good defender. Larry Nance Jr., we've kind of talked about, like, he's whatever. He's kind of blah. Rodney Hood's never been, like, a great defender. And I feel like whatever good defensive reputation Rodney Hood has will kind of be wiped away when the guy behind him is Tristan Thompson and not Rudy freaking Gobert. Um, and then, like, George Hill's an excellent defender, of course. But, but like, you went from a roster of having maybe one good defensive player in LeBron James when he actually tries to like two or three good defensive players, which I still don't think yeah. is all that much of an improvement. Um, are you, where are you at with like how much of a favorite the Cavs should be in these? Because if I'm handicapping it right now, before today I would have said like maybe the Cavs are like 40 to 45, maybe 50% favorites to make it through. And then if we're going on like, you know, you run it 100 times in a simulator, I'd say the Cavs between 40 and 50. Raptors probably between 20 and 25. Same for Boston. And then like the Bucks or the Wizards that are kind of getting the scraps uh, in the in the simulations, getting in five or 10 times or whatever. Um, if you run the simulation 100 times now, after the deal has been made, uh, after the deals have been made by the Cavs, like what's the calculus there? How, how much has it changed? Yeah, I agree. I think they're a better team than they were uh, before all these deals. I I think that defensively, you're right. There are still question marks and there are still weak points. I think on the team, it's just uh, J.R. Smith is still going to be the starting shooting guard, and he hasn't given them much of anything this year. So I think that's still a huge weakness point for them as far as you know attacking that in pick and rolls and trying to go after that from an opposition standpoint um but having warm bodies there i think around lebron james just makes them a lot better and like i said they got rid of all the cancers out of the locker room so just from an effort standpoint i think they're going to thrive pretty well but there's going to need to be some chemistry created because i think there are fringe guys on this roster where you don't know like jordan clarkson is he going to be able to take a step back and understand that he's not going to be a creator, be able to dribble for five to six seconds of the shot clock? Uh, is he going to be okay to kind of step back and uh, whether it's be a sh- strictly a shooter or kind of jump into that Dwayne Wade creator role on the bench? Uh, he's got to change his game pretty significantly, and he hasn't shown to be a player who's lacking in ego. So uh, that's that's a big question mark, I think, from a chemistry standpoint, but. Those guys that they got in the in the Jazz and Kings deal, I think, are just shoe-in improvements for them because they're both guys who can shoot the ball. Uh, they're both okay defensively. Like you said, they have health issues. Um, but I'm not too worried about them uh, on the defensive end anymore because you don't have that you know guaranteed deathly weak point in the Isaiah Thomas-Kevin Love combination, which teams could just go after relentlessly and get free layups at the bucket. Yeah. Uh, they've shown the Cavs that they've been able to get over having you know JR on the court. They've been able to cover for him and be a good defensive team otherwise. But I think JR and Tristan Thompson as well have to be better and get back to the point that they were at, or the level they were at even last season. Uh, maybe not as high up as the year before. But those guys, I think, do need to be better because they're going to be starting now. And uh, teams are now going to look at them as the weak points as opposed to uh, Thomas and Love. So, like, to ask the question again, 
you've run it in a simulator a hundred times. How many times is this Cavs team making it to the finals? Oh man, I don't know. Um, it, Obviously, it's so hard, hard to see until seeing them. I mean, yeah. I would say I would say probably a clean fifty because I think yeah. they they are better. They have LeBron James, but it's going to come down a lot to seeding too. I think they, you know, the Raptors might not match up as well as they did with uh, George Hill there, but it, it's tough. It's tough to say because if they have to go through both those teams to get to the finals, uh, Boston and Toronto, uh, I don't know if they have enough to do that. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, I would say, as I mentioned, I had in between like 40 and 50 before. I would say i probably put it up to like 60, 65, probably, just because... LeBron with not dead weight around him is really good, uh, and there was just so much dead weight on that team that I think the the improvement just by the addition by subtraction of Isaiah Thomas in particular is going to be huge. And you mentioned the advantage that Isaiah Thomas would have represented for a lot of teams if you came across the Cavs in the playoffs. Like that was kind of understated, I think, in terms of how much of a drop off he was going to be oh, for Kyrie absolutely. Irving. Like. Just a brutal defender who you can yeah. kind of attack, and like he's not as dangerous offensively when he has to play off ball, and that's what he's doing. He's playing off ball and waving for the ball 20 feet away from LeBron James every possession instead of actually sort of dictating the action by himself. And like that was going to be such a weak point, I think, for the Cavs' defense, especially for a guy like Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan, who have picked Isaiah Thomas apart with you know one-two pick and rolls and things like that over the past in the past couple of years while he was with Boston. Like that was an area where you could just be like, all right, we're going to attack this relentlessly until they do something else, and then throw in Jose Calderon or whoever else was their backup point guard. Um, like that, that obviously is gone now. And like Calderon's still their backup point guard, and if George Hill is not healthy or whatever, or he's not back up to the level he was at last season with the Jazz and he's playing like he did with the Kings this season then that's a different story but uh, I think there's there are way fewer readily uh, attackable sort of weaknesses that you can kind of obviously see on this roster um, like some will reveal themselves and like Jordan Clarkson I think you mentioned that he's always kind of been a score first kind of guy like I feel like he could kind of have a mini version of the issues that Isaiah Thomas had this season in that he won't be able to sort of dictate the offense. Like, he, he's not a good shooter either. So if you're hoping to have him sort of, you know, stand around and spot up around LeBron, like, he's not a good shooter. He's like a 32% three-point shooter over his career. Um, so I, I'm not sure how effective that's going to be. And I think he can kind of have him sort of run into the same problems. Unless, like you mentioned, he is just, like, the go-to guy in the second unit. He's playing without LeBron. Because I'm not sure how effective he is. He's one of those guys that, like, kind of needs the ball in his hands. Kind of like a Tyreek Evans or whatever. Um, like, they're really good and can be useful with the, ball in the hand, with the ball in their hands. But, like, when they're off the ball, it's like, what's even the point of this guy? Because he's not a good defender, not a good shooter. So, like, what's the actual utility there? 
Um, so yeah, I would say the Cavs are more favorites than they were, you know, six, ten, ten hours ago. But I still don't think it's a sure thing by any means. It's that, like I would still take yeah. last season's Cavs over this team a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, and maybe this this series of moves helps them kind of solidify into that third spot and hold off Washington. Because uh, I would say, from a Raptors perspective, I think it's just a sign more than anything that they need to get up and go for the number one seed. Yeah. Uh, at all costs, I think that has to be the goal for the rest of the season. Because uh, irregardless of who it ends up being, whether the Cavs fall into the fourth spot or whether they don't, I think you just want to be secure in having home court because they've been so damn good at home this year yeah. like and we don't talk about that enough it's what 22 and 4 now yeah uh, so you want to run everything through your house and uh, like i tweeted earlier today they have uh, you know the destiny's in their own hands they got two more games against boston and they have the best schedule out of uh, the teams competing for it so they can go get it like we're looking at the schedule here they have seven games basically that are winnable up uh coming up here uh, starting tonight against new york so they can really start ripping off like five game win streaks or longer uh, as we get through the rest of the schedule. Yeah, that's how they kind of did it last year, or uh, yeah. sorry, early in the season, where you know they were eight and six after fourteen games, and then they just went on like three six game win streaks. The last month or so, there've been some letdown games, like that Jazz game or that Wizards game, where they've kind of like cut into their streaks. You kind of yeah. got to get rid of that because Boston's not losing games at all because they're a bunch of tryhards, but uh, and they're also very good. Like they're they're a good team, um, and so that one seed, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think the Cavs probably have enough right now to stave off the Wizards, and like the Wizards have been good without John Wall. I'm not sure how sustainable it is because John Wall is their best player. Uh, so like I, I'm not sure they're gonna like keep up this. I'm probably more worried about the Bucks getting into the three seed than I am the the Cavs if we're looking at the seeding. Uh, this is gonna be miserable, and it's absolutely gonna end up that the Cavs are gonna fall down to four on the last day of the season, and the Raptors will get one on the last day of the season, and it'll be you know meaningless anyway because nothing matters. But um, it'll be fun to talk about or agonizing to talk about over the next two months. What's the Cavs starting like optimal rotation? Do you think go starting five and then like nine deep on their roster? Oh, does Basketball Reference even have their roster yet? Uh, spot Track <laughs> I, it's does. It's so hard to keep track. I'm of. on. The, I'm on their Spot Track page right now, just with all their 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 salaries. Um, oh man. Yeah. Like so, my thinking is Hill starts a point guard. You probably go. Like I don't know if I would keep starting Jr. because he's been so goddamn bad this season. I would probably start Hood at, at the two. Um, at the yeah. th- at the three, do you go LeBron or do you go Chetty? And then you can go LeBron at the four, and, and this is until Kevin Love get, get, gets back. I guess you start Thompson at the five. When Love is back, it's probably Love. Do they just go back to Love Thompson? I think you. I think yeah. I, yeah. I think they'll go back to Love Thompson. Uh, the three spot, I think, is going to be LeBron, and then the two, I think, is the question mark. They probably keep Jr. there for the time being and have Hood come off the bench. Yeah. Maybe they start uh, Jeff Green at the four until Love comes back. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's probably likely. I think, like we said earlier, I think Jordan Clarkson is that uh, scorer or a different creator off the bench for them. Uh, Hood should probably be starting off the bench as uh, kind of a secondary scorer. Uh, Hill, obviously, is the starter. Um, but I think, uh, I mentioned this off the top, but I think Chetty Osman is deserving of a rotation spot and should be getting more minutes. And I think the Cavs fans noted too, like last night's game, they were cheering every time he came in the game. <laughs> Uh, booing Isaiah every time he came out because Ty Lue was doing like the offense-defense switch every second possession. Every opportunity he could, he was taking Isaiah out of the game. Yeah, And uh, it was like boo and cheer every minute 
with those guys flipping. And uh, Osman's pretty good. He's he's definitely a, a try-hard type player and somebody they've definitely been lacking this season. Uh, he, he's not that skilled, but he tries really hard, which is good for them. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we both kind of come off. On that team. We both kind of come off the ledge, I guess, a little bit in the last few hours since these broke because like when the first when it at first happened Raptors fans were kind of melting down like oh well the dream's over um I don't know if it's over I think the Raptors are still excellent they are significantly ahead of a lot of teams in terms of their uh their net rating they're almost three points up on the on the Celtics after that game on Tuesday uh they they went from being up 2.0 points to 2.9 in just one night which is kind of funny that was a just a wonderful beatdown. anyway um yeah, so I think – I don't think it's a sure thing the Cavs make it. It's probably more sure than it was before. And LeBron is playoff LeBron, and he will be playoff LeBron every playoffs. And that, get, that gets exhausting, and who knows. <sighs> we forget every year how good he is in the playoffs, so maybe there's none of this matters yeah. at all. But uh, I still think there's some hope for the Raptors and even the Celtics. And, like, I don't know. There's not – it's not against all odds that, like uh, – a Bucks team could squeak in or something like that. Like the East, I think, is more open than it has been. We say this every goddamn year, but like I legitimately, legit, still think it is more open this season than it ever has been under LeBron's reign or whatever you want to call it. Um, let's move to the last thing before I let you go. The buyout guys. I don't know why we care about buyout guys. They never actually end up having that much of a tangible impact. But we we talk about them. We sure do. Uh, Joe Johnson looks like he's going to get bought out. Uh, by the by, the Kings after that deal, he's been really bad this season. Chris Mannix said that the Warriors and the, the Celtics would be the early favorites for him. He wants to go to a contender. Any interest? If, if the Raptors were to reach out to Joe, Joe Johnson, would you have any interest in that? Uh, I'm going to be pretty uniform in my answers here. I think the Raptors are probably okay to stand pat. Yeah. Uh, I've only signed Joe Johnson because he might sign with somebody that the Raptors are going to be playing. Yeah. Although the word <laughs> is that Houston is the most interested right now. That'd be kind of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be tough in the finals, but hey, well, worry about that when you get there, I suppose, uh, if you're the Raptors. Um, yeah, like, I, who else is even going to get bought out? I guess, like, Brooke Lopez, I hope he goes to the Pelicans if he gets bought out. And, like, it doesn't really feel like there's that many other, like, obvious candidates. Like, they've been talking all day, like, oh, the bio market's going to be so strong. Like, what is one bio player who you think is going to be, like, an actual upgrade for somebody? Yeah, I just looking at the list, I think Tyreek Evans is up there. Uh, if they decide to part ways with him, because that was they've been sitting him out. They obviously don't want to play him. They didn't trade him today, so well, I feel like he'll come but, back in now. Like, what the fuck are yeah, the Grizzlies doing? I have no idea. There's a lot of question marks with the back end of that Western Conference. Like, it felt like like three or four teams just threw in the towel today and said, you know, screw it, we're just gonna tank now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if Tyree Evans gets bought out, that'll be kind of bullshit. Because <laughs> he actually might be the one guy who's kind of effective. But at the same time, he's one of those Jordan Clarkson players where he's better on a bad team hold the hand, handling the ball as opposed to being uh, like any sort of off-ball sort of threat or anything like that. Marco Bellinelli, sure. That's the one guy who I've heard, you know, around the Raptors that there's been some like interest among fans to bring Bellinelli in and that's one where I'm interested because I do think this team needs shooting Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a thing where I don't really know what the cost is going to be and I don't know how much wiggle room they have to bring somebody like that in so I'm not intensely qualified I would think it would be a good pickup but I just don't know how that's going to work 
Yeah, I'm assuming it'd be like a minimum style deal for a guy like that. Uh, Tony Allen's the other one. Like they don't need another non-shooter. Boris yeah. Diaw would be fun, but I don't know really fit. Like you're not playing Diaw at 35 years old ahead of you know Siakam or Pirtle at this point. I don't think. Is he on a team? I thought he was playing in France. No, he's contracted. Like the season ends soon, so apparently he's eligible to come back over. Like it was. Okay, uh, yeah. I don't know who it was. I think it might have been Shams or someone like that that tweeted about that earlier today. Or Stein uh, saying to watch Diaw during the buyout season. But, like, none of these guys are, like, again, oh, the very robust buyout market. Like, none of these guys are even sort of interesting. So Yeah. You, um, need, you need a plug-and-play guy like Bellinelli because the bench is just so damn good and has such good chemistry that uh, anything that's not – you know, standalone shooter is not going to help this team that much. Yeah, the the one I guess dream scenario is the Kings buy out Vince Carter, and uh, you bring you bring our boy home. But I don't know what he really provides at this point either. So buyouts yeah. are dumb. We care too much about it. It's uh, it's never all that important. Like I don't even think Greg Monroe is going to be that impactful for the Celtics. Like he's not going to play important minutes for them because he can't defend anybody. And they're better when Al Horford's playing center. He's been the defensive player of the year, maybe playing center for a lot of that the, over the course of the season. So I don't know what the hell Greg Monroe's utility is there, aside from just taking minutes from Aaron Baines, who happens to have the best defensive rating on the team. So I don't know. Uh, we care too much about this stuff. Do you have any parting shots about the deadline before we uh, wrap things up here? No, I think it's just uh, exciting to see what's going to happen now at the top of the Eastern Conference. I think it's just like... Cleveland's obviously gone with like a total game changer. I'm happy the Raptors stood pat. Yeah. Uh, there was that kind of brief rumor about them being interested in DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, what the uh, hell is that? That couldn't have come from the Raptors. No, and DeAndre's good, and I don't know how he would have moved the needle, though, with Jonas playing like he is. I'm really happy with this team. This team is really fun. Irregardless of what happens with the teams they're competing with, I think that it's really good that they stood pat and have a chance to just go for it here. Yeah, I'm with you. And they can kind of have their cake and eat it too because they have been the second best team in the East, arguably the best team in the East all season. And that's with playing Kyle Lowry like 32 minutes a game. Um, yeah. So like they don't have to really sell out and like play Lowry 40 minutes a game to get the one seed. They can still, you know, because the Celtics still have West Coast road trips coming up. They have a harder schedule than the Raptors do down the stretch. Uh, like you, you, they can still keep going with the model they've gone with. And just given the bench seemingly just keeps getting better week by week. Yeah. Fred VanVleet's just like dropping his nuts on the entire league right now. Uh, it's it's kind of nice that they can kind of maintain their sort of season long long-term outlook by keeping Lowry rested and even DeRozan to a certain extent he's playing like 34 minutes a game um without and they can still get the one seed that they so desire and if it comes down to the last five games and you really need to go balls to the wall for those five games to get the one seed if you think it's that important then they can do it because they've kind of reserved themselves uh you know for the most part of the season so yeah it's uh fun times it's nice not having to have like trade deadline acquisitions to be the reason why your team sinks or swims. Like, last season was fun in that they got P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka, but had those deals not happened, it would have been a disaster and it would have been depressing as hell. And they were, they were super necessary to sort of turn the season around after that awful January last year. So it's nice that everything is just uh, coming up Raptors right now. Uh, thanks for coming on, John. We're going to go watch the Raptors play the Knicks with six players or whoever the hell is playing for them. Uh, Michael Beasley is going to take, like, 40 shots tonight. And... Uh, oh. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Luke Cornett will get in there as well, and Damian Dotson. Holy shit, this team is bad. Jarrett Jack will do some stuff. Kyle O'Quinn's going to play 48 minutes. Very excited for this one. Uh, thanks for coming on. John, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, doing the game coverage tonight for Raptors HQ, and then the new Raw Raptor rankings with some uh, 
eulogy for Bruno probably in there uh, going up tomorrow. Fantastic. I'm going to write some sort of Bruno eulogy as well for LockedOnRaptors.com, so uh, keep an eye out for that. It'll be nice and, uh, and, and soft and, and mushy. You can also check out the thing I wrote yesterday for Raptors HQ, which Celtics fans really got angry about. Uh, I just wrote about how the Raptors are very clearly better than the Celtics in all different kinds of ways. Um, partly tongue-in-cheek, partly kind of built in fact. Uh, you decide for yourself. The, my favorite thing was the people who like followed me just to tweet at me about it. Well, that was fun. Um, and uh, But yeah, check it out. It's fun. And the Raptors are good. And uh, they're better than the Celtics. So read that at RaptorsHQ.com. Uh, you can also subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. Do all the stuff that I ask you to do all the damn time. Uh, it's very helpful. Makes me uh, happy. Strokes my ego. All that good stuff. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I'll be back again tomorrow, probably with another episode of Lockdown Raptors, recapping the next game, I guess. Uh, might save an episode for like Saturday or something if uh, the game tonight is not particularly interesting, which I'm not thinking it will be, but we'll see. Uh, but until the next time I talk to you, uh, have a good one, everybody, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 